Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Sarah Centrella Show. Got a treat for you today. Uh, one of my amazing, incredible clients and a good friend of mine who is also a best-selling author and her book just came out. So we're going to get into lots of great stuff. Welcome to the show, Wendy Meadows. Thank you so much for having me. I can't even like believe this is real, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to get into all the good stuff. Uh, you have a brand new book that just came out. It's called Hustle and Grit. You have so many incredible tips uh, for women specifically uh, that we're going to jump on into today. But before we do that, you know, because you listen to the show, I love to start off every episode just getting an opportunity to know you a little bit better, knowing a little bit about your backstory. I mean, right now um, you're a coach or a sought after coach and speaker and author and all of those things. You're an entrepreneur, but that wasn't always your story right? Um, so take us back a little bit and tell us a little bit about how you got here and what that journey has looked like for you uh, over the last couple of years or, or however long that makes sense. Uh, I was a, or I still am sort of a family law attorney and I have been for about 18 years. So in 2005, I passed the bar and I worked my way up really, really hard in a small family law firm to become partner became partner there in five years. And I thought for a while, like, this is my life. I'm going to be a family law attorney, litigator, mediator, and this is who I'm going to be like forever and ever. And then after some time went on, I realized that wasn't necessarily the best place for me. It, I got really, really tired of having to tear people down, like, especially on the witness stand. And especially when I have someone on the witness stand, who's like my client's spouse, and I've never even talked to this person before. I've never actually had a conversation with them. And here I am like cross-examining them and then some of the stuff coming out of their mouth. I'm like, oh, that actually makes some sense to me. Like, I wish I had the opportunity to like work with couples rather than like tearing couples apart. Right. And it's just not me. It, it, it just, it wasn't me. It wasn't my personality. Like I'm not a bulldog. I'm not an a-hole. Like I really, I enjoy people like no matter who they are, where they come from. So it just wasn't a job that really jived with my personality. So then I became a mediator as well. And a family law mediator where I have, you know, the parties come together, reach agreements on all sorts of things. And I still do that because I still really enjoy family law mediation. It, it's I believe that, you know, the courts and unfortunately a lot of lawyers like tear parties apart or make it worse than it needs to be. And if you have a really good family law mediator, not only can you bring a couple together and just help them reach resolution and save so much money and so much time, but ideally we're doing little mindset shifts during the mediation so that they can also like have a better life after mediation is over in terms of their co-parenting and communication. Uh, but again, still it just wasn't quite my thing. And where did uh, the idea, and, and I love that you kind of a recognized this, this just isn't the fit I thought it was going to be. Law school is a huge commitment, you know, built working your way up in that career is, is a lot, you know, so you, you invested a lot into that, but then you know, a lot of people do, right. And then they get mm -hmm. into the day-to-day -day of whatever career they're in and are like, man, this is sucking my soul. <laughs> this is not exactly. what I, or, or maybe it's not what it started out as or whatever the case is. Um, but 
I would say most people just plow on, you know, especially yeah. if making a good living, there's kind of this mentality of like, well, that's the most important thing. Uh, you know, so what am I going to do about it? Suck it up and, and, you know, go on with life. You didn't do that. So tell us a little bit about that. Cause that has got to be pretty scary to not only have that realization, but then say to yourself, there's got to be something more. And what is that? Exactly. So I believe it was 2016 for some reason, the year is escaping me right now, but like 2016, I accidentally became a health and wellness coach. And it was really just to get a discount on the products that I really enjoyed. I'm like, oh, well, if I sign up to be like a coach, like I can get a discount. That sounds cool. And then I'm like, hey, a couple people you want to join me like in working out and like doing this thing. And before I knew it, I had like 100 clients or something like and it was just and I was never pushy. I was never like, oh, you must do it in this way. I'm like, yeah, sure. Join me. This is the cheapest way to do it. Come on, like, let's do this. And Every single morning I was uh, pouring into women and they were saying, okay, Wendy, I think I'm going to do this workout. I'm like, great. Oh, oh my gosh, Wendy, I lost 10 pounds. I'm like, fantastic. And so every morning between like 5 and 7 a.m., like I had all of this positivity coming in and going out. And so this was like 2016, 2017. And I started bringing that same positivity into my law practice and into my clients. And I noticed my clients started getting different results as well, because I was looking at them too, in a totally different way. And more, I mean, I was always pretty goal centered, but then it was not only like goal centered, but it was also building up my clients to like, see really what was beyond divorce as well. And that's what I realized I really liked. I liked building up people, especially women. I like showing them that life actually isn't as terrible as they think it is. And it's just like right there. We just need to get there and then find the stepping stones to do so. So like this was building and building. And then one thing led to another. I eventually left my law firm because it was time for me to leave. Um, I knew when I left, I could finally pursue whatever dream it is I wanted to pursue. I had a hard time figuring out what that was. I hired my first coach and she helped me realize she's like, Wendy, I think you're a coach. Like you, you have it written all over you. Why haven't you done this yet? Wow. And that's what led me. in. yeah. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. And I think uh, the way that kind of your passion unveiled itself to you almost was through everything I don't like. You're like, okay, well, what's the opposite <laughs> of that? And, right? and actually that's a great way for people to find it. I mean, we, in, as you know, in a lot of the coaching that I do, um, that's how we find our I am statements. That's how we find what it is that we want, because a lot of times finding what we want is way harder and, and our minds just aren't set up that way. We only know what we know. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to identify something new, something brand new that didn't exist before, we just kind of like shut down its white space, like, ah, oh, what? Um, but mm -hmm. a lot of times if you need help getting there, the thing that is right in front of your face, good or bad can be your answer. And yours was so clear. Like, I don't like the tension. I don't like the negativity that is in your mm -hmm. original career. And so kind of moving over to like, how do we get parties together and work together was such a good transition into that and noticing that, mm -hmm. but then now going, okay, what's the next level of how do I support and build up, uh, you know, women and, mm -hmm. you know, you're practicing the only women, but initially. Right. Um, and so right. what has that journey been like going from, you know, something that is very well regarded, a, a career that's very well regarded, yeah. uh, to becoming an entrepreneur. I mean, just 
two different worlds, right? What, <sighs> what has that been like? Yeah. It's been really interesting and it has like really high highs and really, really low lows. Uh, like the high of the highs are when I'm in the right room and I'm feeling aligned and I just feel alive and everyone is like looking at me and smiling and nodding because they like whatever message it is I am delivering and I am effectuating change on mass in a really positive way, in a way that the people get to choose, right? They get to choose. I want change and I help them figure out change that's good for them. So when I'm having those experiences, it feels amazing. When I get a client review, it feels amazing. Or even like last night I was sitting next to a friend at a dinner and she actually brought me on to coach one of her associates because her associate was like struggling a couple of ways. And she goes, Wendy, I got to tell you, I kind of thought this whole thing was like, uh, I don't know, I guess I'll give it a yeah. try, but I don't, I didn't really believe in it. She was like, the difference I've seen in this woman is amazing and you need to keep coaching with her. And I want you to coach her like once a month. Awesome. Great. So kind of mind blowing to me, how, how many people don't think about getting a coach in whatever it is they want to do. Because, you know, since the dawn of time, if you were in athletics, you knew that you needed a trainer to get results or whatever. So there's certain industries where that has been the norm why wouldn't we do that for our life, for our business and for our success? It just blows my mind. The results you can get when you're working with someone. And you realize that was one of the first things that you did was reach out and work with a coach Mm -hmm. um, to kind of expedite that. So how does it feel kind of being on the other side of that, where you are guiding people towards those kind of breakthroughs and seeing the changes in them? How, how has that felt? And has it, has it, kind of reverse the feeling you used to feel back in your old practice? Yeah, it, it feels great. It, it just feels 100% different because in, even in family law, even if I won, right? Or when I did win, like fantastic, I won, but now what about this other person? Like you, you, the winning here means like someone's losing over here, right? So when I get to work with just one-on-one person and see we're not trying to take something from someone else, really just helping this person grow. It feel it feels great. Like I keep saying, it feels aligned. I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like yeah. this place, not the and, other one. And that practice led to your new book, Sparkling Grit. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I love the cover so much. Oh my gosh. And you you sent me a copy the other day, the signed copy, and I was mm-hmm. just, I just wanted to hold it. <laughs> I was like, this is so, uh, but it, it's been really fun working with you as you have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, been going through that process. It's a ton of work, as you know, um, yep. where did the idea for the book come from and talk to us a little bit about what that process has been like. So I've always wanted to write a book my entire life. I just thought it would be fiction because I was a huge reader as a kid. And then every time I've tried to write fiction, it's like so bad. <laughs> and, I, and I don't feel bad saying about the, that about myself because it's really, it is not a strong suit. Just like I can't not sing yet. either. And that's okay. Like there's other people who are amazing singers. There's other people who are amazing fiction writers. But I discovered through, again, like the health and wellness coaching, like I started becoming very vulnerable online because I figured, or I did it sort of accident the first time. And then I got an amazing response and I got a lot of like me too. It's like, oh my gosh. Or I'd see someone else later and say, thank you for sharing that story. I don't feel so alone. Or thank you for sharing that story. Like I know someone else who needs to hear it and I forwarded it to them. So that helped kind of start getting this idea into my brain like oh like maybe you're a good nonfiction writer like you're good at making other women feel heard and validated so I was like hmm. there's something there right there's something there yeah <laughs> that's the first thing I always tell someone who's looking for their passion 
what do people come to you for? Like, what are the responses that you're getting? Like, look at that stuff first, because a lot of times we can't see it in ourselves because we're just like, Hey, that's just who I am. Or, you know, it's just kind of part of my personality or it's part of whatever. Um, but if you start paying attention to that stuff, it will many times lead you to your calling, to your passion, to the answers that you've been trying to hunt down and couldn't find. So what is the book about? Walk us through a couple of uh, your tips on how we sparkle, you know, but we got to hustle. Yeah, exactly. Sparkle is what I called when I started waking up from the practice of law. So the practice of law I found at the time, and it's not like this for all the people, right? But there's some parts of it that are like, I felt like drib and drab. And I felt like it was like sort of same old, same old. And then I started going to these other like conventions and like being around like more like life coaches and authors and like just a whole different genre of people. And everybody was so sparkly. I'm like, I love this. Like, I, I want some of that sparkle for me too. But like sparkle alone is not enough. We need the grit. We need the hard work. We need both in order to like make any of the things we want to happen, happen. So that, that's where the title came from. And I talk about all sorts uh, I talk about all sorts of things in the book. And I basically say, look, like life coaching is expensive. As you know, you and I both are well aware. And this would be the easiest way to life coach yourself. Like what is what are all the tips I give my clients? Like how can I put it all into a condensed form? And if they do this and they do what I call the grit work, I have them stop the reading and do the grit work, then they'll have at least, I mean, they'll life coach themselves. You know, yeah. they'll have gotten themselves unstuck in some way. I love, love, love that, as you will know, because uh, I know you, <laughs> you've read my books. I'm, you know, yeah. you have to do the work and you have to figure out how to translate what you're learning into your daily life and into the problems that you're facing and the solutions you're looking for. And uh, at top glance, that seems easy, but it's absolutely not. It is really, really hard. And I, I find like probably yeah. five to 1% of readers are able to really digest a book and turn it into, you know, improvement in their personal life. Most of us are listening to it on audible in the background, not paying any attention or mm-hmm. this is what I used to do. I'd read like a chapter and be like, wait, what was in that chapter? What was the chapter about? I couldn't even tell you the topic, yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. I love that you're all about the work. Cause that is so important. What is the first lesson or, or first tip or step that you give but the first the first thing I really talk about is breaking the groundhog day cycle and I have my readers identify what their groundhog day is because sometimes I don't think the readers even realize at first that they are in this cycle and that they're so trapped in it and they're so used to like being like a hamster on a hamster wheel they don't know that it's possible to break off of it so I think the first one of my first lessons I do is help them figure out ways to break out of Groundhog Day and like try something else different. So they're not just in this continuous yeah. loop of monotony, right? Oh my God. And, and that's huge because like I was saying earlier, I think most people just assume, well, this was the choice I made. This is the investment I've put into my career. I'm doing really well. It doesn't make any sense to look at any other options because why would I? That's insane. So how does someone start to kind of recognize, wait a second, maybe this isn't my happy place and could there be something different for me? Yeah. Well, I, like I have the like list, like, you know, the like I want them from like when they wake up to when they go to bed, list out like every single like little thing, like, and what happens and then start looking for too like ways to inject fun. Like when's the last time you had fun? When's the last time like you, and this is like throughout the whole book, but when's the last time you hung out with that one friend that makes you laugh so hard? Like why, why are you, 
hanging out with, I call it the bad lady, Susie Q. Why are you hanging out with Susie Q down the street? That all she wants to do is gossip, right? When you could be hanging out with Carolyn, who makes you smile every single time. Instead of saying yes, when Susie Q calls, say no. And then why don't you go make a date with Carolyn? So like giving like little, again, like pattern disrupts, like and like and all sorts of different ideas just to like start getting more into technicolor life as opposed to like blah tangible ways that you can kind of go okay wait a second how do I shake this up Mm -hmm. how do I how do I make a change uh what's another thing that people can do to you know really go after what it is they want in whatever career they're choosing well I think it really happens like too on a daily basis and this is like the next chapter I think I talk about is the morning routine chapter and I know you and I both have a very I think prolific morning yeah. routine, but I, I like getting them started there because that's really the basis of where it all happens. And what the advice I give everybody all the time, especially mothers, like my number one piece of advice period is you have to get up before your children. Like yeah. that's it. Like you can't have your me time at the end of the day, like with Netflix and wine like that, like you can, but that's not the me time that's going to serve you the best. The best me time is getting awake, you know, before your children and plugging into you first. You yeah. Know, period. That's hard to do for a lot of people. I mean, I think everyone here probably knows that I'm not the biggest morning person, you know, I, I resist, but I know that I just can't function. Like it just doesn't work in the life that I want to build unless I have a morning routine, unless I get up at a certain time. It doesn't mean I love it. It doesn't mean I'm like super happy about it the first hour, but know. you know, it's, it is what helps me function the best. And I think a lot of, you know, growth in general is paying attention to yourself. Where do I operate the best? Like, how do I get the best results? And how do I set that up so that it's automatic as as often as possible? And routines is one of the ways to do that. And morning routine is just so critical. And, and I know fitness is okay. an important part of uh, your life and, and, kind of everything you do, you believe like I do, mind and body is so important. Um, what's your advice on on that and kind of like how to integrate it into our life in a way that you're not having the mental conversation every single time it's time to work out? Oh, like trying to talk yourself out of it. To find something you love, like to find a fitness routine that you love. Well, a couple of ones. Number one, what do you like? Like it doesn't, you don't have to like be a runner if you don't want to be a runner. Like I have this one client who she thinks she needs to be a runner because her husband's a runner. I'm like, no, just because he loves it doesn't mean you have to love it too. Find your own thing. Like if you love Pilates, do Pilates. If you love dance, do dance. If you love weightlifting, do that. Like who the heck care? If you just like walking, like I'm hearing more and more, especially for women in the mid to late forties, that like walking is probably the best thing you can do for yourself. Like just go for a walk, listen to a podcast, you know? Um, But first just find something that you love. And then to find a way for it to either be a program that you follow where you're checking off the boxes um, or you are like you have a plan and the plan is written out and like tacked onto the wall. Right. Yeah. So if it's you're walking every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, like it's on a count on the wall and you get to like check it off as you go to keep yourself accountable. That way because it's staring yeah. you in the face. All schedule the time. it, put it on your calendar. Right? So that it gives you the 15 minute reminder, yep. the 10 minute reminder. So no one can schedule over it. That's the big thing. Yep. Right? Cause a lot of people will say, well, I can't really do that. Cause I was, you know, my, my calendar fills up. Well, guess what? It doesn't fill up if it's blocked off. <laughs> like, that's how you get around that. Exactly. Uh, what's right. another tip that both you share with your clients and has really helped you, um, you know? Yeah. This place that you're at. This is 
My favorite one, my favorite one is actually in the journal I created as well. But basically every, if you only have time to do one thing in terms of your morning planning and like maybe your kids are about to be awake in five minutes and you're like, okay, I have to like plug into myself in this one small way. It's just asking yourself this one question and then giving yourself like this one sort of answer. So what is the big event of the day? Like, so ask yourself, okay, the big event of the day. So my big event today might be, you know, being on this podcast with Sarah. Like, okay. And then I want to think of, well, who do I want to be on that podcast? You know, who, who, who is like the best Wendy? Well, she wants to be energetic and talkative and patient and effervescent, you know, whatever, whatever word I want to be like with who I want to portray myself as. And then I come up with an I am statement to exactly reflect who I want to be during this big event of the day. So today my, you know, I am uh, confident. I am talkative. I am whatever. And then I write that down as well. And then I close my eyes for a minute and I just sit in it and I think about, okay, that's who Wendy's going to be today. And I use that all the time. So I've used it for when I did have trial, like to be confident, to be unwavering, uh, to be patient because I tend to lose my patience with certain attorneys and they bring out (laughs) the worst in me. (laughs) <laughs> and I get a little angry. None of us can relate to not having patience, right? I think that's yeah. my number one yeah. thing I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like when I actually think about who I want to be, then I show up as who I want to be because I've already planned for it. And then I just have to scoot into that like little mini visualization. I'm like, oh, I've been here already. That was my dress rehearsal. This is the real time. Okay. It, it's so much easier for me just to remember to be that person. Uh, I think that's that's so huge. That's so huge. And uh, if you're listening right now, like to me, that is everything. What is it that you, who is it that you want to be? How do you want to show up? And I love that you're doing that on a daily basis. Uh, I'm a Mm -hmm. huge believer in I am statements as probably everybody knows. I mean, they're the fastest way to change your belief system and, you know, build confidence, do all of that. Um, But I love that you're kind of looking at your day and making that quick little Mm -hmm. tweak and spending five minutes in it or two minutes or whatever the case is, and just getting that quick meditation in that quick set, you know, Mm -hmm. how is it that I want to show up? And it's, it's incredible how effective that is and how simple it is. I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. we try to make everything so complex um, and so much harder than it needs to be. And it really is that simple. You sit in it, you get that that feeling, right? And the more you tell yourself those types of statements, the more your brain starts to believe them, the more you start to show up as that, the more, you know, in, in the moment of, of opportunity or taking that new step. Um, so there's so much good that comes out of that. And I just think like that is a total golden nugget that, you know, you can use it for a mom. How do I want to show up as a mom today? I'm not feeling mom vibes today. Like all <laughs> the time, lock like, myself in a room. <laughs> Kids right. are driving me crazy. Right. But like, what can I do? Like, how can I show up? This day is going to pass. And I want to be proud of myself on how I showed up. And I just think like, that's, that's so incredible. Let's talk a little bit about the integration or synergy or whatever word you want to use of being a mom. I know you're a mom as well. Um, and a business owner and, you know, just all the different roles that you play and especially starting a business, you know, changing careers Mm -hmm. midway with kids. And, um, what has that been like for you and for the kids? Yeah. Again, I think highs and lows. 
right? Uh, so highs being like, I can, I'm teaching my kids, you can be a writer if you want to be a writer. You can be your own boss. You can be an entrepreneur. So when they see I'm doing these things, they start mimicking me, you know, because kids mimic moms. And my kids are, you know, younger. They're like about to be 10 and 12. Uh, but they're, they each have their own little business. You know, my daughter sells bracelets and my son sells all sorts of things at school. <laughs> uh, and it's neat seeing that. Yeah. It's, it's also neat using it as like using the book as an example. So, you know, when the kids struggle in school and let's pretend they don't do well on a paper and I, I'm using a sort of a pretend scenario, but sort of a real scenario too, but let's say they don't do well on a paper and they think I'm a bad writer. I am the worst writer there is. I'm not good at this. I'm never going to be good at this. And they start talking down to themselves. I say, Hey, well, let me tell you about what happened to me in one of my high school English classes where I could not figure out how to write a five paragraph essay to change or to save my life. I couldn't do it. And I got so intimidated. I think I was like in the GT class and I had to drop down to like the honors class or something because I couldn't hack it. I couldn't hack it in this class. And I was embarrassed and I failed my paper and all this stuff. And they're like, but mom, you're a writer. You wrote a book. I said, I know. Cause I had to work really hard. I had to work really hard to be a good writer. And I kept writing and rewriting that essay until I finally understood how to do a five paragraph essay. And then that in turn, I became a good writer, but that it took hard work. It wasn't like I pulled it out of my butt. It's so I like to grit. use that as an example. Yeah. It's the right? grit. It's, the grit. it's <laughs> teaching them. And mm-hmm. I, I love you do the same thing I do. I, I use real life moments as teaching examples all the time with my kids and yeah. you know they're wise to it now and they're like really does this have to be a teaching moment like can we I'm like it is what it is deal with it yeah. um, but yeah. you know I think kids like us we we learn when we've just been through something or something is right in front of our face and mm-hmm. and when someone can help us make sense of it on a larger scale uh or kind of connect the dots like man I wish I had someone doing that for me when when I was a kid yeah. you know, when I was growing up But then the other thing, and I'm sure you do this too, is when your kids use those words to describe themselves, I'm sure you catch them the way that I catch my kids because I'm such a big believer in words become identity. And so in in kids, it's almost easier to spot than it is in adults because they'll come right out and say it. I'm terrible at this. I can't do this. You know, like most adults will try and, you know, they'll code it with a lot of other words, but kids will just come around and say, it's so quick and easy to kind of turn that around and say, no, that's not helpful. That's actually not going to get us what we want do this instead. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I love that. What has been one of the challenges or obstacles that you have faced through this uh, transition and, and, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, building your business, just yeah. following your passion really. Yeah. So to be very, I'm always pretty honest and transparent, but I would say it's like income. I would say as a family law attorney, income and clients, right? As a family law attorney, I literally had clients falling in my lap all the time. I had to turn away clients. Like I, I did not have room on my calendar to be able to help everybody that called in or wanted me to represent them. So I had to like shop, like no more clients or like, or say to my assistant, like no more consults, no more this. Like I have too much, I have too much work. Like too much, like too much money, you know, but like, you know, like it was like, I I was definitely maxed out. And like, in turn, like I had some really amazing years, especially as a solo, like where I saw some really significant income and my family got used to that. Right. Right. My family got used to X amount of dollars rolling in. Not that the kids know how much money exactly is coming in, but like we got used to it. When it's like easy peasy versus like, "Mm, we'll get that next month. (laughs) 
Exactly. Exactly. So then, you know, in my first year of coaching and lawyering, I still was lawyering. So the lawyering was still like pretty decent. And I had actually amazing success my first year coaching. Like I had lots of new clients, probably my offers were smaller, you know, but I had lots of new clients. And then again, I had another year where it didn't really hurt us financially. Like we were fine. We didn't have to make any concessions, like with regard to anything that we were used to. And I would say, especially in this last year, it's just been harder. I think it's been a lot harder for small businesses and um, my law practice, you know, I still mediate and I still do those things, but I don't have trial money coming in. And in the same token as, you know, I've been coaching for longer and I'm more, I'm, I am more expensive now because, you know, my expertise has grown, you know, but then that makes it harder for people to justify a yes when they, when I ask them if they would like to coach with me and that's, that's where things get tricky. For sure. It is such a transition. I mean, I, I did the same. I had worked so hard in corporate, worked my way up. Uh, you know, when I left corporate, I was a VP of business development and I worked up from literally inside sales. And so finally had gotten mm-hmm. an income that was comfortable that, you know, like really changed our life and our lifestyle. And I remember, you know, sitting the kids down, they were young at the time. I think my son was like 13 or, or something. Um, and the girls were even younger. And, and I was like, listen, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm about to like leave all that, that we finally got comfortable and, you know, start my, start my business and do my thing. And I'm going to need you guys to kind of just be okay and, and ride this ride for you know, with me for a year, however long it takes to get this off the ground, because the vision long-term, I know, like, I know, like I know is going to pay off and it'll pay off for all of us Mm -hmm. in ways that will be life-changing. It just is going to take everybody kind of getting behind that. And and I remember them going like, okay, mom, sure. Whatever you say. And then, and then like really following through on that and kind of helping me not feel as horrible because that first year was really, really hard. I mean, I went from making multiple six figures to no lie that first year. I think my business income was like 18 grand for the year. Okay. So I was like, what the fuck did I just do? I just ruined our life. It's <laughs> um, a dip. It's a dip. Yeah. I'm, I'm honest with that because I think there's so many people out there that are like, oh my God, I'm going to quit my job and, you know, do this thing that I love. And, and great. We, you and I both can coach someone through that. We have a plan. We know how to get you there, but mm-hmm. like, do your side hustle for a minute first. Like, and you did that, right. You, you did yeah. transition over time and you built a name for yourself and a coaching practice yeah. aside. And even with all that, there's, there's going to be dips in the economy. There's going to be wars that affect, there's going to be inflation. There's going to be a lot of things that test you in whatever you're doing, whether it's business or anything else. Um, how do you talk yourself kind of through those difficult times? Because I think that's when we're most vulnerable to going like, what was I thinking? I'm going to go back to that cush job. Like, it wasn't that bad, right? <laughs> so I had the same conversation with my first coach this week. We had the, because she wrote a beautiful email that talked exactly about this. And I can't wait for you to meet her. Like you need to meet her at some point. She's also read future. I told her to read future boards forever okay. ago. Yeah. And she's also a huge lover of future boards. 
And like, you know, she's a retired sort of lawyer as well. And she's like, Wendy, I'd be me too. Like me too. Thinking about like, should I just go back? Should I just get a nine to five? Should I get a job? And like, she's wildly successful, but how how I talk to myself, I'll be dead honest. The first knee jerk response is a whole, whole lot of shit talking and it's like not nice. Right. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're a disaster. Who even likes you? No one wants what you have to sell. Like, what are you doing? Like, go, go find all, all these other people yeah, are like yeah. smarter than you. They have it more like all that shit. But the good news is instead of me spiraling for days upon days or even hours upon hours, I'm like, what? Wait, wait right. a second. Like, no, like you talk about this in your book, like what to do. And like, so to like walk myself through my own things that I would, you know, tell somebody else. So number one, is that what your best friend would say about you? Like, no, of course not. You know, sometimes I need to go to my best friends for a hot second and be like, like Wendy, right. like you're being Set me straight. Smack me around you know? a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And then like, number two, is it true? Like, is this actually true? Like, or let's find evidence that it's not true. So then maybe go like through reviews, like on my website or reviews and Google or LinkedIn or what have you, or like, remember all the good I have done. Okay. Yeah. Remind myself, I'm still like a baby in this journey, right? Like I was a lawyer for 18 years or I have been a lawyer for eight, but like, I'm still, I'm just an author for two months, you know, and yeah. uh, to really be proud of myself for the fact I did write the book, you know, I've been working on this damn journal for two freaking years yeah. and, I've and had you, the have it in your hand. you have it in your hand. It might need a tweak or two. You're still, you know, doing final edits, but yeah. you have it in your hand. Yeah, like with a spiral. I know. I was just looking. I was like, "Damn, I'm a little jealous because that looks way better than mine." <laughs> I love it, but it's a lot of work, right? It's like it is a lot of work to do that. And you, you said something so super important, and the in, listeners, I want you to really pay attention to this because we all have those days. We all have those weeks when everything we thought was about to go through, about to be amazing, falls apart, or you're just like, "What." what am I thinking? What am I doing? Um, it happens to every single one of us. Every single one of us has that super destructive voice. You just mentioned she lives Mm -hmm. in my head too. I call her a nasty bitch. Like she, her job is to just wreck everything like a giant wrecking ball, burn it to the ground. And I think what happens when you're self-aware and you're doing this work is you hear it much faster. Like you said, Mm -hmm. right? Like in the old days, I mean, before I started learning any of this stuff, I lived my whole life as a victim. So I was never aware. But like, and then it took me, you know, less and less time. And now I can hear it as it's happening and make a choice. Okay. Do I want to spin for an hour and just kick and scream and feel sorry for myself? Or do I want to get out of it? Um, Mm -hmm. And I go back to my own coaching all the time because I know for a fact that what I teach works. And I know that because I tested on myself first. And then every time I've given the advice, if someone does it, it works. So I'm a pretty logical person when it comes to stuff like that. If something works, and I know that all I have to do is Mm -hmm. from a participation standpoint is just do it, whether I want to or not, whether I (laughs) do it or not, whether I really don't want to, then I'm nine times out of 10 going to be like, Okay, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, and so I love that you're open and honest about that because it's it's difficult to be. I think um, in this space, it's difficult because very few people are, um, and it's it's difficult too when you're building a practice that has clients. You know, it's tough. It's right. like <clears throat> what you know, what line do you ride of 
being authentically yourself and sharing your experience. But I think it's important because um, it's important to know that there are times that are going to be like that. You might have a month or two where you have no new clients and you're like, what am I going to do? And you have to know, like, I want this bad enough that I will do what it takes to get through those difficult times. I have the vision big enough to, to know that it's going to be worth it for me long-term. And, and I love that. Is there one other kind of tip from the book that you want to leave everybody? Ah, what is it that you're, well, this is a big one I use all the time, but that you're the CEO of your day, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're the CEO of like your work, like you need to take control over it. And that means not letting incoming email be in charge. And I have a lot of clients that fight me on that so hard, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. No, like just what are the, what do you really need to get done today first? Like in your holes that you have is you're probably a lot of your listeners are probably like both of us that we have lots of meetings throughout the day, but what are you going to do in your, what you decide what you're going to do in your holes and in between meetings, as opposed to just looking at emails and like getting lost and like deleting and responding and putting out fires, but deciding what you really want to get done that day. Yeah. So, how, do you move, how do you move the needle forward? Cause if we're, if every day is just reacting or just showing up for the things on our calendar, guess what? Your calendar is going to be empty real soon. Like you have to be proactive about every area of your life. Your business is no different, right? You, you have exactly. to, and you have to show up for that. Uh, I love that so much. Where can everybody go to learn more about all of your, your stuff and follow you and support your journey? My book is available on Amazon sparkle and grit, and that will be in the show notes. Uh, the journal will be available soon. <laughs> Yeah. before the end of the year before the end of, I was yeah, hoping for it to be available this week it will be available uh before the end of the year um, but I do have a special treat for your listeners Woo-hoo. and that, that. Yeah. so like this is a page of the journal if they can they, so if they're listening yeah I, I don't know they, they so it's the actual page and as you can see they I ask lots and lots of prompts like and this basically if you do this journal every day you're going to make sure that your work is moving ahead that you've plugged into your family you've done your I am statement you've decided what you're going to eat like very baby steps like how are you going to nourish yourself how are you going to move etc and like I believe this is the best journal on the planet it's just my I love it I love it we'll put that uh, so they'll get a yeah so they'll get a printout and they can print it out via pdf or they can like put it on their ipad and like do it that way so that's a special gift for them they don't have to wait until the whole beautiful thing comes out but if they want Spiral bound. I love it because as we know, the work is everything, right? The work is everything. If they go grab the book, they can get started on some of that work. Um, You know, do the grit work, everybody. Get out there and do it. Uh, And go follow Wendy. I'll put all of her stuff in show notes as well. Let us know what uh, your thoughts are. We'd love to to hear uh, your feedback on the show as well. Thank you so much for being on today, Wendy, and sharing all of your good juiciness. I love it. Thank you. I still can't believe it's real. (laughs) I love it. And until next time, everybody get out there and hustle and thrive. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review and telling everyone, you know, and join us next time on the Sarah Centrella show.